Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. It's important to remember that your struggle, the things that you struggle with, the, the, those pieces of darkness in your life, you know, those, those are what make you human. Those are what connect us. Those, those aren't weird and bad. Those are normal and human. And so it's okay to come out in the light because we're all, we're all experiencing it. Some, just, some people just aren't showing it. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 157. In this episode, I'm joined by Laura Wansick to chat about documenting our mental health stories. Our conversation focuses on my own journey with anxiety, with Laura asking the questions. Hey, Laura, welcome back to Scrapbook Your Way. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be back. Yes, I am looking forward to our conversation. A little bit nervous, which our audience will soon discover why, but I think this is going to be a really good one. Yes. Um, So can you remind our audience who you are, where you live, what you do? Yeah, so my name's Laura Wansick, and I live in Oxford, Ohio, with my two daughters and my husband. And um, aside from scrapbooking, um, sort of on the side full time, I work um, at Miami University in the student counseling service as a mental health clinician. Awesome. And that's going to definitely connect to our topic tonight. If folks have not already read that in the title. And you are also kind of have a claim to fame for being the one that does little music videos related to scrapbooking. <laughs> I do. Yes. I love that. It's yes. so fun. You are like, you're so brave and super talented. And I always look forward to those. Oh, thank you. That's sweet. <laughs> They're fun. They're silly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what's exciting you right now in scrapbooking? You know, it's 2022. It's mid-February. I have yet to start Project Life for this year. And Mm -hmm. I am realizing that what I'm excited about is breaking some of my habits and doing things a little bit differently. So um, I'm working on a variety of things right now, which is why I haven't started Project Life. But I'm really excited to get out of the pocket, switch the size up, switch my style up, and just kind of do things different this year. Mm, Yes, I hear that a lot these days. And I think we're just all in more of an experimental phase. We all kind of feel like we have permission to, you know, obviously go outside the page protector is very popular, but to just take these concepts that we appreciate, we appreciate the daily documentation or just like the, the small moment of life documentation, but how can we present that in a new way? Yes, 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 yes. And for me, it's a little more on the like the hybrid end. And I'm thinking, mm. I don't know 
I'm seeing this as a trend and I wonder if it's because of increasing costs and shipping delays and I'm just seeing more and more interest in the community in in hybrid and digital products as well. Mm-hmm. And so I've just I'm loving playing with things, you know, trying to use them in new ways, combining them with paper products and just yeah, just try to take advantage of everything I know how to do on my computer. So. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense because you have a lot more freedom when things are digital because you can just do it on your own. You don't need to wait for something physical. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. You can kind of jump ahead too. And I, yeah, I was looking at the the new Rainbows kit today and just yes. the digital files and I'm like, ooh, well now I want to do like a whole photo book with my daughter's memorabilia because I think the Rainbows will go great with that. And ooh, I love that. Yeah. So exciting. But yeah, then I have to scan a bunch of memorabilia. So we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. So of course, we always love to talk about stories here as well. And in particular, your bucket list stories. These are those important, sometimes deeper, but really significant stories we feel are important. So what is one story on your bucket list? So I redid my high school albums um, a few years ago, and I had um, I actually don't know how long ago I did that, but it was really meaningful to me. And next I want to do middle school and then childhood. So that's, that's what's on my bucket list right now. Nice. Super fun. Yeah. I'm curious when you redid your high school, like, did you preserve any of your original, um, aspects of it? Like, did you, you know, photograph it or include any of a- it? That's such a good question. Um, I didn't. I, you know, I went through, I looked at it and I thought to myself, I have looked at these pages so much that I feel like they've lived their life and Mm -hmm. it was time to be all done. And so I said goodbye to them and it felt cathartic and good. And then I moved on and made new albums with actual journaling and stories. And that was wonderful. And so I just was really thankful that I did that. I'm so, yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure what to do. Cause I have a high school scrapbook that's all on purple paper and they're all like <laughs> cut into like hearts yep. and circles and yep. squares and triangles and no journaling, of course. Yeah. And, but there's something so like nostalgic about it. I feel like I at least need to like digitize it to have it yeah. <laughs> before I re-scrapbook those years. You know, I can still picture the pages. Even as you said that, I can picture the pages I made. I feel like they're burned into my brain. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so my bucket list story that I really want to go in more depth on is my mental health story. And talking to you today is really going to be even part of that journey. I've documented some of it, but not all of it. And I wanted to do this particular show because of, you know, your role as a professional and as a scrapbooker and to also maybe turn the tables a bit and just have you ask me some of the questions. I've, I've been a guest on the show before. Um, at the very beginning, Kim interviewed me for a My Way series episode. But I'm just hoping that aspects of my story might be able to help at least one of our listeners. And so I'm willing to to share and wanted to share because of that. I love it. I love, I love the way that it works to decrease the stigma. Yes. Yes. So can you share just a little bit more about like what you do in your day-to-day work life? So you mentioned that you're uh, a counselor at Miami university. Yeah. So I do um, clinical mental health counseling. So I do individual therapy. I also run a group. In fact, I started a group last year um, that is called expressing the self through art. And we use, um, art as a medium to do a variety of things. And that's been pretty cool. Um, but mostly I just do individual therapy. I've 
been in the field for, gosh, over 10 years now. Um, I used to work in community mental health. I worked with families, kids. Um, mm-hmm. I love couples counseling, but now I'm just, it's just with college students. So I only see Miami University students. Um, and I absolutely love this population. This is the best possible setting for my personality. And it's just a great, a great setting to be in. I love it. Oh, I can, I can totally see that because of your personality. And also, I think that it's, it's so important to, uh, just thinking back to my own college years, that if I had felt comfortable getting that type of help, what kind of, you know, changes would I have been able to make in, in my life? So I think that's yeah. really cool that you have that available. Yeah, definitely. We see a lot of the students. Yeah, there. it's yes. definitely, um, I think it's part of the culture today, you know, to, I think the stigma is going down overall. That's been my experience. So it's good. Oh, 100%. I was making a comment today just about my daughter's elementary school education and how just the the things that they're doing now to get them in touch with their feelings mm. and to communicate better and, and learn how to be friends. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I had a lot of that. Like it was mm. more of the rules and the structure and just don't get in trouble type of thing. Yeah. But I feel like they're doing such a better job now of preparing kids for yeah. what real life is going to be like. Well, and, and building emotional intelligence. And there's a great book about it by Daniel Goldman, which talks about how emotional intelligence is such an important indicator of success as an adult, success in a variety of ways. And so I think not just foca- focusing on the traditional um, sort of mm-hmm. ideas of intelligence, but building that other piece, social intelligence and, and emotional intelligence. Well, and I think the more that are, obviously, uh, the work world has changed quite a bit and that has accelerated because of the pandemic Yeah, but because technology has replaced so many things in life. I think that emotional intelligence will become even more important to, to getting things done because it's going to be this more remote collaboration and, yeah. you know, you know, our kids are going to have colleagues across the world in ways that we probably can't even imagine right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So on the scrapbooking side, you've created some really awesome products for Ellie Edwards and, and with her as well. Why is it important to you to have creative supplies on the market that support our ability to document mental health stories? Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of times, I think without knowing, our products do sort of dictate the stories that we tell. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, early in my scrapbooking, as you and I were talking about kind of the layouts maybe that we made in high school, you know, there weren't products when you walked down, you know, um, the aisle at the at your local scrapbook store, you weren't finding stamp sets that were like, you know, today was a hard day, um, or this, this month has been challenging. Everything was like, believe, inspire, hope, love, family. And so I think, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that as we, as you shift to telling more authentic stories, you need products, you know, to align with that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there, I think Allie specifically does a great job of that, but there hadn't really been any that were mental health specific, um, I think the only other person I've seen do a mental health one is uh, Kelly Perky. I think I saw mm-hmm. her do one. So I think that, you know, hopefully that stamp set, you know, that I made or whatever will inspire people to, you know, use that stamp set and then prompt a, a story of like, okay, there's a stamp here that says self-care looks like this. What does my self-care look like? You know, products can can lead the story. Oh, so often. And I think, 
you know, the one of the stigmas we have inside scrapbooking is that product shouldn't guide our stories. Mm. But I think that's such a powerful, maybe a pivot that we've made to 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 bring out our stories um, and to make it easier to dive into those when we just say, okay, here's the products in front of me. What do I feel inspired to, to document from that Um, versus starting with our photos and just capturing, you know, what's, what's happening on the surface of our lives. Right. Right. Hey friends, Jennifer here interjecting in the middle of the episode. So this was originally supposed to go live in May And as Laura and I were chatting after we finished recording, she mentioned a brand new class that would be coming out within a matter of days. So I've decided to insert her description of that in this part of the episode, and I will include the link to the class in the show notes as well. I didn't want you to miss out on the opportunity to dive into this topic with Laura. So here's her description of her upcoming class at Elliot Edwards. Yeah, the class is called The Story of the Self, and it's sort of a merging of my mental health hat and my memory keeper hat. So it'll be a four-week, 10-lesson um, class that basically you go on a journey of self-exploration. So I have, I do a lot of stuff that I do with my clients. So like there's, there's a lesson about values. There's a lesson about, um, not really boundaries, but kind of boundaries. There's a lesson about roles. There's one where, um, I have you take a variety of inventories, like personality inventories. Um, there's a mindfulness one. There's sort of like a perfection it'll be good for you as a recovering perfectionist. There's one about risk-taking and flexibility where I do like some kind of art therapy stuff for perfectionists. And then like, some journaling stuff about digging deeper into kind of who you are and it's all about the self. So as I said, today we're flipping the tables and you're going to ask me some questions. Yes. So let's get Um, started. Yeah. I've shared a little bit on Instagram and here on the podcast about my own mental health journey since last fall, but I really wanted to have this episode, um, to, you know, be a standalone resource as well as to just, I don't know, be more open about it. So can you share just a little bit about the struggle that you've shared about on Instagram? Yeah, so I've, and I've hinted it mostly in my Thursday three, just trying to be more kind of vulnerable and open. And it was so interesting. Uh, I had my husband review my Project Life photo book for last year. And he's like, this is really personal. Are you sure you want to share this? And I'm like, you don't even realize the things that I share on social media already. Because so, I felt like my photo book was the the pared down, you know, public audience version of things. Mm. Um, because it is so permanent compared to social media, which is a little more ephemeral. Sure, it's always there, but I don't think people are going back and looking at my Thursday threes from mm. six months ago. <laughs> um, but I've I've had... I've struggled with some degree of anxiety for most of my life. And as I've dealt into this more, I've identified these patterns that I've had. Um, But my health anxiety was already ramping up pre-pandemic because I started getting hives. Um, Mm. This is (laughs) uh, Mm. chronic idiopathic urticaria, which Mm. you know very well. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) I do. (laughs) And so having, having your body feel like it's, 
rejecting you and not having a reason behind it was very frustrating. Mm. And so I was already kind of experiencing that anxiety and then add COVID on top of that. Mm-hmm. I already had a little bit of social anxiety and then it was just the, just this, you know, perfect storm of social and health anxiety together. Cause I, all of a sudden it was just like, Ooh, people are bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I became almost kind of paralyzing. Mm. I didn't want to leave the house and yeah, it was, it was, it was a challenging time. Mm. Okay. So what triggered you to taking action towards it? It was really starting to impact my daily life. I've always felt like I had, I was very functional in dealing with my anxiety. Of course, it was, there was a lot of like hormone triggers to it for me so parts of the month were great and parts of the month were were less great um but really last uh I guess in the beginning of the delta wave you know the summer everyone was so hopeful we were all just like going outside no masks like yay we made it through this and then it was like oh shoot (laughs) yeah not so fast um and I just, I felt very kind of fearful in every, it just in daily life, just like that sense of, of doom. Um, and it was starting to just make me feel that like paralyzing overwhelm and I couldn't get things done because I just felt scared all the time about every decision. Um, so I had to do something because <laughs> doing nothing obviously wasn't working. Right. And I think that, you know, a lot of times it's like when things get to the point where they're disruptive, you know, because I think that if you're somebody that has a higher, like sort of baseline of anxiety, you're sort of used to it. And so Mm -hmm. when it gets to a higher level, it's like, okay, even for me, this is a lot. (laughs) Right. And and I think the other piece is that for somebody with social anxiety, health anxiety, you know, staying at home is often a coping skill because it's a safe place. And I think an unfortunate thing, I mean, there's lots of unfortunate things about COVID, but I think one of the unfortunate things is that we were at home a lot. And so, you know, part of managing anxiety and your fears is doing the things that you fear because you desensitize Mm -hmm. yourself to them. So when you're staying at home a lot, that's going to deepen that without even intending to. It's not even like you did it necessarily because of the symptoms at first. Yes. Yes. No, I can a hundred percent see that. And, you know, my husband started doing all the grocery shopping and, you know, we were obviously at the beginning, especially we were told to stay home. Right. And then I started choosing to stay home more right. um, and opting out of things just because it made me nervous to be around groups of people. Right. And it's easy to rationalize because of COVID, right? Yes. And so it's, it's hard, I think. And, you know, there's always, I mean, anxiety as an emotion is not unhealthy. It's adaptive. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like you have to kind of know, okay, when is it helpful and when is it unhelpful? And so there are times that we should be worried. And then there are times, you know, that it's not helpful. And it's hard to tease that out in something like a pandemic, especially when there's so much different information and opinions floating around. Well, I think it had become, like, if I think of my pre-pandemic state, I knew there were going to be ebbs and flows and I could, I could cope with those. And I also think it did help me be more productive in certain ways. Like it was, I really just, I never knew anything different. So to me, it was just normal until Mm -hmm. it wasn't anymore. Right. Right. So then what did you do 
for yourself when you got to that point? Yeah, I well, I talked to my husband about it, and he had been encouraging me to talk to professionals for the majority of our relationship, and we've been married for more than 13 years. <laughs> and I was always just so hesitant. Um, so I started by talking to my doctor, who recommended therapy and exercise as a start. Mm-hmm. And I started therapy and a little bit of exercise. And I quickly realized within probably two sessions that, like, yay therapy like I'm no longer scared of this this is good but it wasn't gonna change like how I felt when I woke up every morning mm-hmm. um there was something that there was I could tell like my body needs some some chemical help here mm-hmm. um and I had been resistant to medication as well but I went back to the doctor and I was like okay yes therapy will continue with that but I would like to try medication too and almost immediately it made such a huge difference mm. and I was just like oh my gosh is this what like everybody else feels like I've never <laughs> felt like this in my life <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I hear clients say that t- sometimes, and it really breaks my heart, you know, and the other thing that I hear is some regret, because when you experience yes. that, then you're looking back going, what have I lost here? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, I can think of times in my life that were particularly challenging, you know, other like stressful periods. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I should have been asking for help then. And I probably could have coped significantly better and Mm -hmm. even made better choices in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So this just felt like, and it was almost a snowball effect too. Like once I opened the door to be totally honest with my doctor and going to see the therapist, now I'm like, yay, I want all the help. I love experts. Please, like, <laughs> let's lean on everybody yeah. else's expertise to supplement where I'm not as strong. Mm-hmm. And I was not that person before. My husband even said earlier today when I was talking to him about about recording with you tonight, he's like, it's like a, it's, you know, you're, it's a 180 from where you were before mm-hmm. because you were so resistant to to that. Where do you think that resistance came from? You know, in the beginning, a lot of it was just my social anxiety playing out that strangers equals bad. Mm. Um, I just could not get past the idea of sitting down with a stranger and telling them all my thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. Now I do that on the internet a lot, but something about doing it in person. Yeah. It's more vulnerable. Felt terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I I didn't believe that I could develop any kind of relationship with with a therapist. But then that what the doctor said, a therapist is only a stranger once. Mm. And that that changed everything for me. And I was like, oh mm. my gosh, if I can just get through that first time, mm. she's not gonna be a stranger. And it's so true. And mm. I'm fortunate that I found someone that I trust and who's really nice. And she, you know, asked really insightful questions and mm-hmm. it changed everything. Um, and then on the medication side, my mom had had some negative experiences. Mm. Um, and so I, and I had witnessed some of them and I, it, it just made me fearful of um, the medica. Uh, how do I say this? It made me fearful that the medication might make it worse and put me in a, mm-hmm. a worse position than I already was. Mm-hmm. Which is the last thing you want. But it was never like, I never felt 
because you even mentioned the mental health stigma. I've never felt that. I've never felt like it was wrong or bad or I'm I'm weak. Mm-hmm. It was all it was all my own issues that were preventing me from asking for help. Okay. Okay. And it and it was it was therapy and medication. It wasn't more one more than the other. I think they were they were both there and they were fighting against each other and yeah. Um they were both crutches and excuses that I could lean on. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. say, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And that those were, you know, those were limiting thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last year's during one little word, just the, the stories that I'm telling myself conversation mm. really helped me start catching myself in those like false conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This, this whole thing has just been such a, such a journey for me. Um, and as you said before, one that I wish I'd maybe started sooner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how have you documented it? Have you scrapbooked about it? Just through one little word, other ways? Mostly in one little word. So my word last year was strong. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I was totally like aware of the beginning of the year, but I feel like choosing that word was preparation for asking for help. Mm. Um, so what happened was, um, let's see, I went to the doctor in maybe like September ish. So like after school had started, it was fall. Um, but earlier in the year, I actually joined Noom to, Mm. uh, start, uh, you know, a health and wellness journey Mm -hmm. and they have a one-on-one coach, but over text messaging, you know, in their Mm -hmm. app. And that actually paved the way for me to be okay. Mm. saying yes to therapy because mm. that's what like when I went to see the doctor and she said therapy I'm like okay like I wasn't even I was sort of resistant and I explained to her my feelings about it and that's when she said you know only a stranger once mm. but I, like every step I took throughout the year from choosing the word from talking about what the word meant to me and how I wanted to be strong most of it had nothing to do with like physically strong it was mentally and emotionally strong Mm -hmm. and then just taking one baby step after another Mm -hmm. really helped me get to the point where I could do this and so really my whole one little word project last year was all about my own journey and there were some other things too with like strengthening my relationships but most of it was just about what was going on with me and how I needed to find that strength to, you know, make myself a better person. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the thing, it was the hardest, it, one of the hardest pieces was the, was the initiating as initially asking for help. It was. Cause I remember when I um, was calling, I, you know, I did some research on the web to figure out which office I was going to call. And I, it took me three hours to make the phone call because mm. I have, because the, I have phone anxiety. Like I don't like to call for pizza. One of my mm-hmm. biggest fights with my husband was over how to order pizza. This is like in 2007. <laughs> um, and I'm like, but we need internet to be able to order pizza. And he's like, why wouldn't we just pick up the phone and use the yellow page? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I, but I did it, and like you know, when I even told them this, that that one thing that helped was that they had photos of the receptionists on their website, mm. so that I knew who was going to be picking up the phone. And they even said, mm. you know, one of these people is going to pick up the phone for you mm. and give you all the information you need and help match you mm. with 
a therapist. Mm. And that gave me comfort to move forward. Mm. That's really powerful. And I think that it's, um, it's good as a clinician to remember how hard that is for people, you know, cause it's, it's such, um, a daily thing for me. So it's, it's good for me to hear that because it's a good reminder of just that first step, how hard that can be, how intimidating it, it sounds like it can be. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like the, the door is opened. I've, yeah, I, those things do feel easier now because I know that I've done you know, probably the hardest phone call, hopefully, hopefully I know there'll be other hard phone calls, but that's probably one of the hardest phone calls I would have ever made in my life, mm-hmm. but it makes the other ones feel easier, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, mostly in one little word, um, I mentioned at the beginning how my uh, Project Life photo book included some of it, but it was more pared down, definitely not meaty. And, mm-hmm. and there was a point in which I thought, okay, maybe I just want to do one little word in my photo book. And I realized, uh, no, <laughs> I think <laughs> one little word is going to be the one that like, eventually those to me probably need to be discarded because mm. they're mm. so personal that they're, you know, almost as personal as my journal. And that's, that's where I'm processing things that I then want to put in my scrapbooks, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's like layers of the story and it sounds like yes. there's, there's certain um, depths that feel too private to share. Yes, for certain. Yeah. And I, I'm very open in my scrapbooking and a lot of my pages are more like letters to my daughter, but they're after I've kind of have the lessons learned or even, even in the middle of it and say, I'm in the middle of this. It's hard. Here's what I want you to understand or know or learn from my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think my realization is that I could have these different places. Mm -hmm. I could have a journal for like my most private, sad, angry, joyful thoughts, you know, the wide range of emotions. Mm -hmm. I could express myself through one little word Um, really exploring topics in more depth. And then I have kind of what I consider the rest of my scrapbooking, Mm -hmm. which is the stuff I want to pass down and the stuff that I feel like is documenting our family's stories more holistically. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. How does it feel to talk about all of this right now? Um, mostly okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I feel like I'm not, I've always said like, I'm, I have no modesty. Like I'm, I'm a pretty open person. I'm willing to have conversations about awkward topics, um, you know, from sex to like anything else. Like I'm that person who will just talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, I am nervous about how it will be perceived. Mm-hmm. Um, how, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it that it uh, it sh- it shows my humanity and uh, mm-hmm. is is an authentic conversation here. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I know sometimes when you are a content creator or somebody sees you know the polished professional persona you try to put on, it's um, it can be a little misleading. Because it's not the full story. Mm-hmm. Even if I do share some of the story, um, I still try to make it pretty, you know, even on Instagram, like here's the nice photo of me or the nice photo of my scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what the algorithm wants, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 
I mean, I think it's tough. It's tough to um, be your authentic self, but have boundaries. And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, anyone's reaction is, is their own stuff, their own stuff about mm. mental health. And, and, and so, you know, I think it's, it's just hard. Yeah. Well, and I think it just, it depends on how, like your own personal journey with it, but also your family journey and what subjects are okay to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think we all grew up with the certain set of parameters and sometimes they were broader and sometimes they were narrower of what do you talk about with, you know, with strangers or even, you know, colleagues and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of those boundaries I think have been <laughs> breached because of social media, because of the internet. Yeah. Um, but I think the more that we can talk about them in very real ways, not with like vague booking or whining or whatever, mm-hmm. the more we can learn from each other. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's so many valuable just resources and tips out there that when we talk about it, then it it sort of moves into a discussion of what's helpful. And then you might hear somebody say something like what you just shared that your doctor said to you about like, you know, she'll only be a stranger once. Somebody might hear that and that's very helpful for them, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's a risk, but there's reward. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what I've learned from, from therapy in general is that it's it's about it's about as much of my experience telling the stories and and making the connections for myself as it is for any of the questions the therapist is asking or the dots that she's connecting it's mm-hmm. about she's drawing these things out of you mm-hmm. so that you can realize oh well i've you know i've had social anxiety since i was afraid of the drugstore pharmacist when I was five years old. Yeah. Yeah. It goes, it goes back. It's not new. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, and every therapist, I mean, I think, you know, I'm glad that you had somebody that you connected with on your first time, especially because going to see a therapist was so anxiety provoking, but -hmm. you know, there might be people listening and they say, well, I went to somebody and they weren't good. And, you know, or I shouldn't say good, a good match. Um, because I think, you know, it really is more about match and it's okay to try somebody new. If you go to a therapist and it's not a good match, you can go to somebody else. I'm just glad that you didn't have to. (laughs) Yes. No. And I've had several people tell me that, um, there's been my, my therapist is more than a decade younger than me, maybe two. Mm. And which is fine. And I I find her perspective very interesting. There Mm. are certainly times in which, um, someone with a more life wisdom, I think could mm-hmm. be, could, could contribute, mm-hmm. but I'm, I feel, uh, a, a comfort and camaraderie with her. And I think she's smart and insightful. So for now it's to me, it's a really good fit. That's so awesome. I'm so glad that you're able to value that. I remember when I was on internship, I was very afraid that people would think that. And I remember one time I went in the waiting room to pick up a a new intake and she was about 80 and she looked at me and said, you are very young. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I, but I think that there's pros and cons, like you said, like perspectives. I mean, when someone's fresh out of school, that means that they've, you know, learned the latest stuff and they've got it in their head fresher than, you know, so there's pros and cons too. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's important to, 
to you know, not judge a book by its cover. To yeah, totally. Use a phrase like, yeah. Um, everyone has something to contribute. We were all beginners once. Yeah, but yep. It's about if I'm getting what I need from it. That's that's what matters most, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I think she's, she's like, definitely like, she'll share a YouTube video with me. And, you know, she's definitely mm. more on the, you know, the, the younger tech yeah. friendly side of things too. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in creativity and self-care because I know with, with the um, kind of, it's not an art therapy group, but an art group that I run. We talk about that. I talk about that with clients. I'm interested in in your experience of that. So it's, this has been such an evolution for me. Scrapbooking has always been the way that I practiced gratitude. I've tried, I had tried gratitude journals in the past and was not successful. Mm. And so I, to me, like I was okay that I can provide like honor my life celebrate it find the good uh acknowledge the hard through whatever scrapbook projects that I was creating but I always I always had trouble kind of getting to the table and that's part of like why mm. I help people in the way that I do in my business mm. um and it was really in I guess late 2020 you know we'd been through a big big slug first wave of the pandemic and I kind of rediscovered Coco Daisy's stickers mm. and stickers for journaling and for planning. And I was always very like creativity and planning don't go together. Like I am a functional planner. Mm. Like it's about getting the job done. I will not make it pretty. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm at home. Like I don't have a lot going on in my calendar. So I have plenty of space to fill in with my stickers. Mm. And it just became like a first first therapy step for me like okay I can use this I can lean on this this feels good this brings a bit of joy to my life mm. and to me that's just one of the small baby steps that I took towards being able to ask for professional help mm. um and I kept you know I kept saying okay if 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 I will add this and I will I, you know I tried some things with my sleep and meditation and those things all helped but then I would go through a cycle in which oh, this is not good. And I, you know, things are getting worse and, um, they were nice tools to have, but they were not enough. Mm -hmm. But it, and it was really after I started the medication, like life was totally different. Mm -hmm. I, I've really never been able to turn to my hobbies for comfort in a way that I think a lot of people are able to, mm -hmm. um, what do you mean by that? Like, um, if I was having a hard day, I would go zone out with Netflix or my phone or whatever. Mm. Going to my scrapbook room wasn't wasn't drawing me to like, oh, I can just go decompress and scrapbook. Mm -hmm. It always felt like too much. Mm. I don't know if it was emotionally too much or too connected to work, mm. but I had a really hard time even though I liked scrapbooking and could and could use tricks to find the creative flow, it wasn't something that I turned to for comfort. Um, I'm also painting now as well, like doing little art journaling type things. Mm. And while I've done that off and on over the years, like I, I wasn't finding 
joyful expression from it. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of just, I don't know, unleashed a floodgate of having my soul fed by creativity in a way that I was never able to access before. Mm. And and it sounds like to get there, you kind of had to break one of your rules about, was my rule? about planning. Oh yes. Yeah. 100%. I had to break all the rules. Yeah. Yeah. So especially the rules of, you know, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could ask my mom to verify, but I was probably one of those little toddlers that said, I do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which again, you know, is stuck with me. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I heard a quote once that said weaknesses are strengths abused. And I think that's true. Right. Cause that's mm. a good thing. It's just, you just don't want to take it too far. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I definitely did. Um, I think the only way I think maybe, there was a stigma for me was that I, I dealt with a lot of perfectionist issues over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've mentioned this in the podcast before that I was married in the, in my twenties and got divorced. Mm. And there, that was kind of the first big knocking me off my perfectionist pedestal. And mm. so I, I've certainly had already dealt with some of those feelings, mm. but um they they still do, of course, you know, as we all know, recovering perfectionists still struggle with it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in, you know, various aspects. So. Yeah. Yeah. How, what other guts can I spill for you, Laura? <laughs> I don't know. What's left? You tell me. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I want to leave our audience with um, permission to go at your own pace, mm-hmm. but to also know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so many of us out there who have similar struggles and, and also very different struggles. Um, but once you do kind of take that first step, every following step is so much easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to remember that your struggle, the things that you struggle with, the, the those pieces of darkness in your life, you know, those those are those are what make you human. Those are what connect mm-hmm. us. Those those aren't weird and bad. Those are normal and human. And so it's okay to come out in the light because we're all we're all experiencing it. Some just some people just aren't showing it, you know. Mm, yes. And I think that, yeah, the more, the more I do talk about it, the more others will say, oh yeah, me too. I just don't ever talk about that. Right. Um, and I think it, it also like hearing, just hearing little stories of, you know, people I've known for a long time, the more that they shared, the more that gave me comfort and even choosing the word strong, like, like hearing other people's stories mm-hmm. paved the way for the, some of the baby steps I was able to make. So it was definitely like, it was a whole long road, but hearing other people say like, you know, I, I, I'm experiencing this and I asked for help and it, and it did help me was so helpful for me. Yeah. I mean, th- there, you know, that's like being a leader, right. Is saying I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go first. I'll say that yeah. I'm struggling and trusting that other people, it'll either resonate with them or 
they will choose not to share and that's fine. That's, that's their thing. But again, it's not about you and that's their own stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for being brave and sharing this with us and being a leader in that way and putting your voice out so that other people can, you know, can feel that and connect with it. Well, thank you so much for uh, supporting this journey with me, Laura. Yes, of course. Happy to always here for conversations about feelings. (laughs) Well, I will include any links to things that we referenced in the show notes for this episode. And, you know, again, Laura, thank you so much for your time and all that you contribute to the memory keeping industry. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. Are you ready to start implementing the great ideas you hear on the podcast? The Simple Scrapper membership offers a welcoming space to connect with fellow memory keepers and find the creative accountability you've been craving. Visit simplescrapper.com slash membership to learn more and join our community. It's the best it's ever been.